There's this deep work taking place and God's bringing hearts into it with supernatural force. Into loving devotion, consecration, repentance, commitment. Um, I received a text, you know, it's, it's this deep work. It's, it's not this sexy, flashy thing God is doing. It's this powerful, dramatic thing that he is doing. And he is God, but it is not this like flashy thing that people have in their minds. He is shaking and decimating expectations. Human concepts of what God is, who he is, how he moves. He wants to just be trusted as God. That's it. So he's just circumventing typical things that we would expect and shattering our expectations saying, do you think you'll give me a chance now to to do what I want to do. And so a friend of mine had come up from Nashville and he was like, every day he was saying like, I'm feeling the presence more and more. It's increasing and increasing. But Sean, I want it like here, like inside. I want, I want change. And I'm like, well, bro, this is about worship and just like come to him, pour your heart out and let him be God. So it was about two weeks later. We kept in touch a little bit via text, but then he just wrote me and he said, hey, buddy, although I feel external presence while I was there and not necessarily anything internal, I have definitely been changed since my visit. There is definitely an awakening and revival that has happened in me and also a realignment of thoughts and ideas. You know what that's called, right? The definition of that's repentance. To change the way you think. That's what repentance is. I'm more in love with Jesus. I feel more close. I feel more focused and passionate. This is fruit of what the Lord is doing. The other day, um, Steve and I were, last night, Steve and I were talking and he said, man, what's happening with you? I said, what are you talking about? And we had a previous conversation where he said, I just need to know where you're headed here. Cause like, you're not involved in a lot of the aspects. Like you're doing all this admin, you're doing all this strategic work and everything. And I looked at him and I said, listen, Steve, if I, my life is filled from now till I die with this, if I can leave an established community on a hundred acres with infrastructure and property and, and establishment, I will die with great fulfillment. I will die knowing I did what I needed to do to establish this place fully, financially, on this property, knowing that for generations we have a leadership team that would pass that faith on. And so then he said, we had this conversation like about two months ago, but like now, I don't see you doing any of that. All I see you is in the prayer room. And now I saw you go to a life group and help lead it. And then that same week, I saw you lead a, a leadership class, like, you know, with, with uh, second year interns, because Steph got sick. But I hadn't done that previously. And I said, you know, Steve, I don't know. I don't know what's going on right now. All I know is that 29 days ago, I just started worshiping God and my whole life was turned upside down. I didn't ask for it, I didn't do anything. I just was worshiping and I just, 
hours of weeping and these deep, like, work in my heart. I didn't know what God was doing. I still don't know what he's doing. I didn't know what was happening to me when I was worshiping. I wasn't trying to get an encounter. I was just telling him how much I love him. That's it. And this, I found myself 29 days later, it seems like a time warp. Like, I don't know where the time went. And I told Steve, I don't know what's happening. I can't tell you. All I know is I'm disoriented in a whole nother place, a whole nother existence in life. And I'm saying, what's going on? This is what I'm talking, supernatural overhauling. And, and like I said, I was willing to die doing what I was doing because I believe with 100% of my heart and conviction that I was doing what the Lord had called me to do. And perhaps I'll go back to that same thing that I was doing. But the point is, I'm just saying, God, do what you want to do. And he has poured everything out. My whole life has been poured out. And now all there is is him. And I'm saying, how will you rebuild this life of mine? Will it change? Will it go back to what it was before? I don't know. I'm here for the ride, folks. And that's what it's all about. And that's what I'm, I'm saying to you. Like, it is about worship. Will you just come and allow him to just be God in your midst? And you just come and just tell him how much you love him. Sit in one of these chairs. Tell him how much you love him. Whether he does something dramatic or not, there is a powerful move on hearts right now. And I know this, he's, he's developing, he's resetting realities, he's developing deeper trust in people's hearts. Um, God's challenging expectations. Now, this is a big one, and you got to grab a hold of this because it's one of the biggest things he's doing right now. He's challenging expectations we have of ourselves, expectations we have of others, expectations we have of God, all the above. Expectations we have for unsaved people that we're praying for in our life. Expectations we have of how God should meet our prayers. I'm convinced it's why he's healing people that aren't even asking. Because he's like, you need to get over this point and just let me be God and just worship me because I am worthy of it all. If we just worship him and love him fully... It's evidence that we trust him and that if we get God, we get everything, everything. One guy came, drove two hours from somewhere in New England because he heard about revival. He came here and it was in the middle of the day and uh, an older gentleman, he came in, there were two um, young people singing out on the stage, both in different keys. Um, there were two youth in the back in the middle of the day talking about sound because they're trying to get the sound right and everything like that. And we probably have two dozen people that are like, know the soundboard now, right? And so he came in, he sat here 15 minutes. And then, you know, Noah had just finished this great afternoon of just powerful set of prayer and just, just, 
great worship and stuff and went out to his truck to make a call and he said you know yeah i saw this gentleman walk in and then 15 minutes i see him walk out well what had happened is he left here after 15 minutes and went and yelled at my assistant in the cafe office and maybe not yelled but like emphatically said listen to me I have driven two hours to come and experience this revival. And instead, I hear youth talking in the back. I can't connect at all. I felt nothing what was going on in that place. And so I told my assistant, you need to call me next time because I would have loved to talk to him. And what I would have said is this. Do you realize the two people that are trying to worship God and sing up there are a beautiful sight to him? 13-year-olds who could be doing all kinds of other things, but they've chosen to stand before the Lord in the middle of the day and not just say a prayer. Worship for two hours without any musicians. I said, do you realize the two people in the back, they're just trying to learn sound because they want things to sound good before the Lord. They're ministering in the temple day and night. They could be doing all kinds of things, but they're like staying here day and night. They're, they're giving everything else up because they become fascinated with the Lord and his goodness. And I said, I would have said, sir, I wonder if your expectations are in alignment with God's expectations. Did you come to get a thrill? Did you come for crowds? Or did you come for the one? that is dwelling there. And he was really saying, are you going to come and drive two hours so you could just give me a sacrifice of heartfelt praise and devotion? I'm telling you, he is is shaking what could be shaken. Colette, come on up here. There's something greater that God is doing as well. And So far, I've talked about this individual level, okay? Because we're all really comfortable with that. We don't think much community, corporate, wide, like community-wide. But this first part is God is challenging individual hearts. And he's drawing near and he's calling us as individuals to come to a place of just simple, simple devotion. That's it. No, oh, no agenda. You're not coming because you want something. You're coming for one thing because he's worthy. He's worthy. That's why we come down here. Instead of sitting in our, in our living room listening to live stream, we come in person to give a sacrifice, bring a sacrifice. And you're like, well, theologically, you can do that from home. Yes, you can. You know what? It's a lot more sacrifice to get out of a comfy chair and go out in the cold weather and drive down here however long it is and sit here and just begin to give a sacrifice to the Lord. There's something about this idea of bringing a sacrifice. So you can do that at home. But there's something about this that's happening with his manifest presence. It's not the special room. It's the special God that's in the room doing what he wants to do. So I want to talk in this next half about the corporate habitation. Because we, we know there's, there's different tiers here. He's abiding and filling our hearts in a new way. That's what I've talked about the past 10, 15, 20 minutes, right? But there is a corporate habitation 
that he is wanting to establish. Listen, we're, we're toe deep in this thing, folks. We're, we're not anywhere near where God has done what he wants to do. This is like, this was the honeymoon month. There is only increase ahead. There's only a drawing deeper into his heart. There's only an increase of his miracles and his demonstration of his power, his infiltration into our families and our workplaces. There's a reforging of lives. But I asked her to share this because she said the other night she came in just to pop in for a half an hour or so and said, hey, check this out, and showed me a journal entry. This was, what, four days before February 19th, the outpouring. <laughs> Do I want to be in the front of all of you? No, I don't. But God told me I had to come because the devil was behind me, and he was saying, you're going to make a fool of yourself. And I said, so be it. Yeah. So... This is God's, not, not me. And I'm so thankful because I couldn't do this on my own. So, um, can somebody explain the word uh, acronym? Can you do that? Is it acronym? So you take a word and you break it down and you put another word in front of each letters, right? Okay. So, on the 15, this is what I got. After I was listening to um, um, Emily and Stephanie on the 14th, and she had a blanket over her lap, but I'll tell you about that after. This is the habitation, the word habitation. And for each letter, there's another word. So H is for heavenly. A is for angels, B is for biblical, I is for intentions, T is for triumphant, A is for almighty, T is for trinity, I is for instruction, O is to overcomer, and N is for newness. And I believe that's what's going on right here, right now, with the habitation. So let me read what I got on um, Stephanie's blanket. That was on the 14th. She was with Emily, and they were in front here, and there was a blanket over Stephanie's uh, lap. So what I got was... The blanket on Stephanie's lap is a symbol of the blanket of uh, righteousness over our church and this land. We will see people being healed, which we are seeing now anyway, of diseases, and they will give their lives to Christ. And those who have walked out are being called back to you they will come back if they don't come back here they'll come back to christ and that's what we want so this is it praise god
I mean, listen, that was not foolish. That was before we even didn't know what to call it. We're like revival, habitation, visitation, outpouring. Like, I don't know, God is here. We don't know the accommodation. And, uh, you know, I started seeing a beautiful picture emerge this past month. God's turned our household of faith into a habitation. A dwelling place of God is what that means. And out of Ephesians 2, it says, So then you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple of the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God. And, you know, we all know, we've heard the scripture that says your body is a temple of the, of the Holy Spirit, right? Well, this concept isn't just for our individual hearts and lives because I don't think anyone's considered this reality that not only are you a temple of the Holy Spirit, but we collectively are being fit together into a temple, a dwelling place of God. There is a corporate reality that is going to shadow over that individual reality of you being a temple. It is a reality where that manifold wisdom is going to shoot out like laser beams against principalities and powers of darkness because we're fit together as a secret weapon of the Lord. There is this habitation where we're fascinated and devoted to him. But listen, folks, there's a secondary purpose that God has, and that is to be a, to decimate wickedness. He is raising up his church as a glorious bride that is going to crush Satan under her feet. So what does this look like? Well, I see it look like a household, our household, our, our household. And, and you can even probably start putting capital H on there because we're having dozens of churches show up here and worship with us as one church. And we don't want anyone to come here from other churches. We want them to go back and spread the fire. We want transformation to be seen on their hearts so that when they go back, people are going, wow, what is going on with you? Your progress is being made visible to everyone around you. Right? Right out of Timothy. Those who have understood what God is doing have responded with hunger and drawn near to God. Now you can classify yourself. Are you one of those people? Or are you still on this take 29 invitation? You're willing to answer the call and accommodate him. And you know what? He's slow to anger. He's merciful. And if you've missed take 28 and seven and six and five and four and one, two, three, four, five. He's saying right now, hey, for the 29th time, I'm here. Will you accommodate me? And you have a chance without any shame or guilt to jump right in the river. 
and swim with the Lord and let him cleanse you and wash you and worship him and be filled with fresh devotion and hunger. This place has become a place of fascination, a place to come and give sacrifice to God with other covenanted followers. For many, this has become a daily practice. I mean, the other night, me and Steph, we, we were buzzing all over the place. We were here at the church a while, and then we had to go to another meeting, and then we're like, man, we missed lunch. Let's get some dinner really quick. So we popped in a restaurant. We came out. It was about 9.30, 10. We had to be back here and at, at night. Had to be back here. And in rolls like Messina's in two different vehicles. And they're like, beep, beep, beep. And we're like, hey, Messina's, what are you up to? They said, oh, we went to dinner. We went to a music theater with some friends that we had planned a long time ago. Now we're going to the church. We're going to catch some prayer at 10 p.m. I'm like, wow, you little lovebirds late at night. Go and get some prayer at the church. Woo! And then... uh, where were we? We're, oh, and then we're stopped over Steve's last night to see how he's going on some projects and stuff like that. And beep, beep, beep. We're going out to the, because we're coming to the church. It's about, what, uh, 9.30 or something. And Alex and Ev drive by and say, hey, guys, fancy meeting you here. And I'm like, where are you going? Oh, we're going to go get a quick shower and then go to the church. Oh, yeah? What are you going to do? Pray. And I'm saying, like, This daily routine and practice of people just stopping in for 15, 20, 30 minutes, three hours, just coming and giving sacrifice and just giving devotion and praise to the Lord, where the church has become this center of worship and devotion. Shouldn't it have been all the time? God has restored a fire. Are we changing the vision of the church? No. I would hope that prayer, worship, and public reading of Scripture was always part of the vision of the church. Good God. It's just that we've been brought into this deeper revelation and understanding of like, look what the Lord has done. And 24-7 isn't our, our mission. Accommodating God was our mission. That was what we were invited into. That became our whole goal. But I'll tell you what, folks, because 24-7, people work years and years and years. If you've been involved with it, we have. We've been involved with it like 20 years ago. People spend tons of energy, and all of a sudden, overnight, God says, I'm here. Boom. I've set up a tabernacle 24-7, worship and prayer before me because I am God. I love to have praise surround me when I show up. I want to be worshiped and adored and sacrificed to all day and all night long. This is our heart. This idea of, of just coming and giving a sacrifice. I just begin to break down in tears whenever I just think of the idea of coming and sacrificing to the Lord. It's it's powerful and to see him just just loving it and just receiving the praise and then saying oh i feel like just doing something here i'm gonna just express my power boom healing boom salvation resurrection of hearts turning lives upside down you know i just want to talk more about what this looks like it's like an acts 2 reality right 
This is really what we've, a scripture we've read, you know, even with the build resources. They were continually devoting themselves to the teaching and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. They were continually devoting themselves. Does that sound familiar? Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all the believers were together and they had all things in common. They would sell their property and their possessions to the extent that anyone had need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple. This is New Testament. We're not talking old temple, tabernacle, temple. This is New Testament. They continued in agreement in the temple every day. He is restoring something here, folks. This is scripture. This is Acts 2. They were breaking bread house to house, taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. They were meeting in the temple every day. They were breaking bread from house to house. Can you see this culture? It's like he's dropped right in our midst, the reality. You can like live Acts 2 right now. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. You know that this... This house has become vibrant with energy, new life, and budding gifts in children and youth. Just like a home, there's not just prayer and song. There is worship expressed as fellowship with one another. Sharing and breaking of bread. It's sacred. When you come in here, before you even get to this place of prayer and worship, Typically, the foyer is full of young people just hanging out, talking, sharing with each other, laughing. It's like a true living room. You walk in and just like, hello, family. And there's kids running around and youth just enjoying one another. But then they come in here and it's like time to pour out our hearts before the one who is worthy and their joking disappears and the sobriety comes upon them as they begin to just pour out their hearts to God. Kids, the other day Noah had, if you saw that set on live stream, he had a bunch of kids come up and they were dancing and singing and he was just strumming the guitar and I was like, oh man, this is so powerful. Like God is dancing with the children and then he has them start praying they stop and fear the Lord just hits them and they start praying serious like, Lord, thank you for being here with us. We love you. I was just like, that's not, ch that's not like typical children stuff, right? That's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm afraid. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> and they're like praying boldly, praying to the Lord out of their hearts. You know, the rooms become a living room for the network of churches in our region. Dozens of people know how to work the soundboard now. I didn't even know how to work the soundboard. And, you know, like last night, oh, and blankets. I cannot believe you 
saw something through blankets because folks blankets to me is a sign it's a sign of comfort it's a sign of home it's a sign of rest this is really in my notes Colette so when you said that it's like you are kidding and you know if you've noticed late night live streaming I'm like what the heck everyone's walking with blanket skirts you know because they're just all cuddled up praying before the Lord at late at night and like last night I was blessed because I caught Andrew like it was like two to four I think but he had a blanket around him and he was praying you know and then he's like up here and he's fiddling around trying to get his guitar working plugging it in like four times and the whole time he's praying saying you know I was just thinking about the Lord and his call to us to be broken and then he disappears off the screen and I'm like, what is he doing? And he's still talking with the mic saying, and Lord, you know, to be broken before you. I think about Moses and I think about Aaron and all these people and how you have to break them before you can use them. And then I realize he's back on the soundboard adjusting his levels so that when he gets up to worship, everything will work. I mean, it like was such a priestly image in my mind sitting here probably alone in the sanctuary and then coming up fiddling around with mu music stuff because he feels led to worship with his skirt and then walking back to the back disappearing from the camera you start hearing like little crackles and stuff he's adjusting things and the whole time saying god you know would you break me just like the other the, the other people in the scripture and he's just walking, he comes back here, his head pops back up on the screen. <laughs> he comes up here, he adjusts the pad on the keyboard because priests of the Lord start understanding what it's like to be ministering in the house of God. They know how to operate the pad. They know how to go and adjust the sound level. They know how to fiddle with instruments to get them to be used to just sacrifice and worship to the Lord. I was just so blessed by that. I was just so blessed. Like, Lord, you're really teaching us to become worshipers who tend to you and accommodate you and minister to you. So, one of the last things I want to say after this honeymoon is over, right? We have this honeymoon over. It's been a, a month, right, of seeing each other almost every day. <laughs> really, it's pretty amazing <laughs> the relationships that have been been deepened. It's just amazing. It's incredible. And I want to encourage everyone: don't become familiar with God. It's just like a marriage. You cannot become familiar with your spouse. You lose your fire. You lose your love. It becomes cold. And what we really need to cry out for is the fear of the Lord. We need to cry out like, Lord, I want to know your love and your nearness, but oh, I need to know your fear. I fear is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. It's to fear the Lord is to hate sin. We lose fear and we lose everything with God. We can never just sit on his lap and not reverend fear him for his awesome power.
and his amazing purity and holiness, right? So let's not become familiar. Let's press in with, with fear and reverence. And, and like I said before, there is such there is such mercy from the Lord. And I want to encourage you, if any of you have not come on a regular basis and made it part of your life and just come and just sit in a chair and worship him and give him devotion. You know, some of you leaders who haven't come and just don't give me your excuses of fear because perfect love casts out all of that fear in your heart. And perfect love is here. And you can come and you can lead a block with someone else and begin to read the word and pray out of your heart. No one needs theologians here. No one needs people to read all this scripture and break it down and pray. It just takes reading his word and praying out of your heart. Not for some great thing, just the start of that word in your life, the start of that word in your family, the start of that word over this region, in this church. And I feel like the honeymoon is over and God is calling us as a community to all come and begin to give praise to him because he's worthy and begin to join together as a community that has Christ's manifest presence for however long he will remain manifest. He's always going to be with us. We know that's a truth. We've walked with him for years and years. But there's a manifest presence here, a season where he is saying, I'm here and I'm going to make myself very tangible to you at all moments. And he's calling us all. He's not called a dozen of us. He's called all of us into a place where we accommodate him. So I'm calling you to come and help, help accommodate him. I'm calling you to come and start by sitting in a chair and just giving him praise out of the simplicity of your heart. Make this a part of your day. Come for 10 minutes. Come for 40 minutes. Come for five hours. And just say, God, I'm here to worship you because you are worthy. You're worthy. There's no other reason I'm here. You're worthy, Lord. And let all the things that come with God come into your life and welcome him. I'm so excited for what God has for us as we start this second month of accommodating him. And Lord, we just, as a community, we join our hearts and we say, and as a representative of the region, we absolutely cherish your sacred visit here. We don't want you to go. We understand that you have your own seasons and times and purposes. But Lord, let it be said from our heart, we don't want you to go. We want this manifest presence, this tangible sense of your nearness. With all the wonderful things you do, the way you reveal your nature, the way you reveal your power with signs and wonders and miracles, the way you reveal your joy, the way you reveal moving in the hearts of men and women, children and young people. 
the way you've changed schedules and shaken lives upside down and transformed people, that it becomes visible like Paul told Timothy that make your progress known. Well, that progress of people's transformations is so evident all around. Not even a few, but many. Father, we stand before you and and say we want you and we want to accommodate you. You are not a burden to us. There is a cost. And I truly believe that you intended that. But it's not a burden, Lord. You are the greatest joy. You being here with us is the most paramount thing that I could possibly imagine right now on this planet. And I pray for this flock here. I pray for the churches in New England and the leaders in New Hampshire, in this region. Lord, and I pray that there would be a drawing to accommodate you for who you are. Not being concerned if it's in their church or this church or wherever, just that you are present and people will come to you because it's you. These buildings don't matter, but you've chosen to do it right here in this room. So we're here because of you, Lord. We're here because we cherish this. We consider this epic, paramount, that the champion of creation would be here in our midst. So, Father, I ask you to move on hearts. I, I pray as an intercessor that you would draw hearts of all men, that there would be no shame. Shame, go. Fear, go. Guilt, go. Hang-ups, go. Insecurities, go. And let all come without hindrance, without restriction of affection, to come and devote praise and glory and honor to the King, the Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world.